0: I will call upon you to do a service for me. Play the Godfather. Now at Chumpacasino.com. Welcome to the family.
1: VGW Group. No purchase necessary. where prohibited by law. See terms and conditions. 18 plus. Love Talk Radio. This is the body of Christ's church. And well And well. This is the body of Christ's church. And well and well really tenderness the key is the key, Henry. Henry. Henry is the
0: key. Yes,
1: Yo, me foolish even of the bloody at the church child. forget about my friends in the dance hall. Giant love me and great peace of mind. Under this me want me dance hall, friend them to find the yeah, Go and pray, go fast and pray till Christ a me friend them See, see, I go fast and pray, go fast and pray. I see the devil get thee behind me. fast and pray, go fast and pray till me Leviticus chapter twenty three, starting at verse thirty three. Leviticus
2: chapter twenty three, verse thirty three. And the Lord spake unto Moses, saying, Speak unto the children of Israel, saying, The fifteenth
1: day of the seventh month shall be the feast of tabernacles for seven days unto the Lord. On the first day. Shall be in holy convocation. Ye shall do no servile work therein. Seven days ye shall offer an offering made by fire unto the Lord. On the eighth day shall be in holy convocation unto you, and ye shall offer an offering made by fire unto the Lord. It is a solemn assembly, and ye shall do no servile work. on here? Our people are getting ready for Halloween. That's what they're going to be doing this month. After that, they're going to be ready for Thanksgiving. After that, they're going to be ready for Christmas. You go in stores nowadays, they already have Christmas trees out because that's just the way their ceremonies go. That's the way their holidays are lined up. When you look at the holidays that the Heavenly Father gave us, they all lined up and they're given to us right here in the book of Leviticus, the 23rd chapter. So when we start speaking of the different feast days that were given to us, going into the Feast of Tabernacle, which we're in right now, a lot of people can't relate to it, nor do they even understand that these are the days that were given to us. All the more reason why when we're dealing with people and we're teaching the commandments and teaching them about the true holidays, holy days of the Lord, even days like this we have to bring up to them. So when we start speaking about the first and last days being Sabbath, but all throughout the week, We're still in that same Feast of Tabernacles. And also we have to make sure that people understand, a lot of people would say, well, we don't celebrate those Old Testament holidays. That's not for us. We celebrate Christian holidays. First of all, there's no such thing as a Christian holiday. Every single day that they celebrate
2: from Easter to Christmas to Thanksgiving to Halloween have absolutely nothing to do with the Bible nor who they call Christ. It has nothing to do with that. So, when we look at a true holiday that's biblical, a true Christian holiday, meaning that cometh of Christ, that's already in the
1: Bible for us.
2: And when we look
1: in the Bible and we read about Leviticus, in Leviticus the 23rd chapter, about the feast of Tabernacles, when you read it in the old and the new, you find out that this is a true holiday, a true holy day that we should be celebrating and keeping as a nation. So verse, what verse now? You can go, read us back in verse um, 30, 37. Leviticus 23, verse 37. These are the feasts of the Lord, which ye shall proclaim to be holy convocations, to offer an offering made by fire unto the Lord, a burnt offering and a meat offering, a sacrifice and a drink offering, everything upon his day. So when you look at that, on those days, what did they do? They sacrificed
0: to the Lord. They had burnt
1: offerings, sacrifices, all those things. We know that we're not dealing with a fleshly sacrifice anymore because those things we know now, according to Romans the 12, who's the sacrifice now? Mm-hmm. We are. Beseech you, brethren, by the mercy of God, that you present your bodies that living sacrifice, wholly acceptable unto God, which mm-hmm. is your reasonable service, and that you be not conformed to this world. But be what? Be transformed by the renewing of the mind, that you may prove what is, is that good and acceptable and will perfect, perfect will of God. do so need me to read it. Romans so, 12 and 1 so. That's what we're dealing with. So when we're doing that, making ourselves conform to the image of the Heavenly Father's only begotten Son, and not conform to this world, and bring forth those true sacrifices and those true offerings, those are the things that we're supposed to be doing even in commemoration of these holy days. Continue. Verse 38, besides the Sabbath of the Lord and besides your gifts and beside all your vows and beside all your free will offerings which you give unto the Lord, also in the 15th day of the seventh month, when ye have gathered in the fruit of the land, ye shall keep a feast unto the Lord seven days. On the first day shall be a Sabbath, and on the eighth day shall be a Sabbath. And ye shall take you on the first day the boughs of goodly trees, branches of palm trees, and the boughs of thick trees, and willows of the brook. And ye shall rejoice before the Lord your God seven days. So, as we start going into the Feast of Tabernacles, and you start looking at the ordinances that were attached to it, like all the feast days, the ordinances were made in commemoration of something when you look at the times of even the passover why were they when you look at the ordinance of passover why was it so fixed on the unleavened bread the blood of the goat, blood of the lamb the blood of the goat over the doorposts and all these things and eating it in haste and everything was made in commemoration of what uh it uh, was made in commemoration of that night when our people were uh free by the heavenly father so when you look at what is going into the piece of Tabernacles? If we read on, is going to tell you what this day was going to commemorate forever as well, because the Heavenly Father wanted us to remember something on these times. So when you look at all the understanding that we had of these days, the understanding always matures as we go forward in the understanding of the Lord Jesus Christ. So our to our forefathers, the exodus out of Egypt, that was the Passover. The Passover was strictly about the exodus out of Egypt. So when that day came around, they knew. Why do we celebrate this? Because there was a time when we were slaves in the land of Egypt, and the heavenly father sent the ten plagues and delivered us out by the hand of Moses his prophet and brought us into our own land. So we celebrated today with that understanding. We couldn't celebrate the Passover in the Old Testament with the understanding that the Lamb was going to come and shed his blood, and that that Lamb was going to be the Son of God, who we know that we knew as Jesus Christ. The Christ, who through his shedding of the blood, was, be, had become the Passover himself. So that was why when you look at even the holy days of the Bible, the understanding that our forefathers had of this and the understanding that we will come to have as time goes on is not one and the same. It's going to increase. It's going to become manifest as more than what we understood it as. So even though you look at the Feast of Tabernacles to our forefathers, it was just a commemoration of the time that we spent in the wilderness. But by the time you get to the New Testament, the fullness of that understanding comes around as well. Continue. And I just wanted to bring another point, too, just a a minor point, but so that everyone understands. When you read back in Leviticus,
2: the 23rd chapter, some people may be confused. I mean, a lot of you all know what it is, but you read in Leviticus 23, And verse 39,
1: it says, also in the 15th day of the seventh month. So some people are saying, well, you guys aren't even doing it at the right time because the 15th day of the seventh month, the seventh month is what they would call what? July. But when you look at what it actually is, and we deal with the feast according to the new moons, which come in their seasons, it tells you that it's Psalm 83. When you look at the month of the year, and even when you look at when this feast normally falls, which is in the month September, Even that prefix of sept means seven, just like ox means eight, and no means nine, and dex means ten. What they did when you read in Daniels is how they thought to change times and laws. They changed times and laws, but they left the names of the month. Some are named for their idols, clearly, like January or February, but then others are numbered, which are like September, October, November, December, seventh, eighth, ninth, fifth. So right now, according to the new moon, we are in the midst of the seventh month and the fifteenth day during that week, which we celebrate the Feast of Tabernacles. So verse 40 says, And ye shall take you on the first day the boughs of goodly trees, branches of palm trees, and the boughs of thick trees and willows of the brook, and ye shall rejoice before the Lord your God seven days. And ye shall keep it a feast unto the Lord seven days in the year. It shall be a statue forever in your generations. You shall celebrate it in the seventh month. So when, Even when you look at how we celebrate a lot of the feast days, one of the things that happens, especially when we're in captivity in these lands, we already know we're keeping these days. And a lot of times we just observe the first day and the last day because the first day of the Sabbath and the last day of the Sabbath. That's not how it's meant to be kept. It's, it's going to be a feast all the way through. Even though the first and last day is a Sabbath, we're still in the midst of a feast all these other days. If we were keeping it the way it was kept in ancient times, it wouldn't look like the way it looks now, with everybody still going about all their duties, handling everything that they're doing, going to work, coming home, and acting like it's not a feast. It would still look like a feast all those days, with the except that the first and last day would be Sabbath. Verse forty-three. No, forty two. Ye shall dwell in booths seven days. All that are Israelite born shall dwell in booths, that your generations may know that I made the children of Israel to dwell in booths when I brought them out of the land of Egypt. I am the Lord your God. And Moses declared unto the children of Israel the feast of the Lord. So right there, letting you know what it was about. That you may know that I made them to dwell in booths when they came out of Egypt, and those were going into the years that were spent in the wilderness. Now, we already know that when we came out of the Exodus, we didn't just come out of Egypt and go right into our land. There was a period of time that passed, a period of time of how long? Anthony, how long? So when you look at that 40 years that we were out in the wilderness, what was that about? Why were we there? We just couldn't find out what? So we out the people that were in the Lord. Uh, because uh, the, the way from Egypt to the promised land wasn't that long. But the, the Heavenly Father had us wandering in the wilderness for that long because there were many people uh, among the children of Israel that were not right to the Lord. So once Moses came down from the mountain with the commandments, what did he find when he came down from the mountain? We found the people worshipping the golden calf. The golden heifer. And saying what? These be the gods that brought you up out of Egypt. That's what they did. That's what we did. So we're going to take that group and bring them into the promised land? That wasn't happening. So when you look at that list of names of people, of all the people that came out of Egypt in the Exodus, how many people came out of that Egypt and made it to the promised land? Two people. And who were they? Who were the two? Joshua and Caleb. Joshua and Caleb. The only two. Moses himself did not even make it into the promised land. So when you look at that, and you look at that wilderness, the wilderness was no joke. So when you look at the Feast of Tabernacles, this goes into the Lord saying, I want you to remember that I made you to dwell in booths during that time. It's not just saying, just remember that you dwelled in booths. We're supposed to remember what happened. We're supposed to remember what that whole town was about. We're supposed to remember the lessons that we learned. That's what it's about Let's go there from there Let's go to the book of Nehemiah chapter 8 It's picking up Some of you may remember The history that was going on to the time of Nehemiah, the book of Nehemiah You already had Zerubbabel had already returned back And built up the temple But also you had Nehemiah and Ezra come back To Jerusalem Nehemiah was the one that was building up the walls of the city while Ezra was the one that was teaching the people And when they came back And started revealing to the people All the laws that were left behind The people were upset Because these are the things that they were away from For so long So we're going to the book of Nehemiah chapter 8 And we're going to start at verse 5 Nehemiah chapter 8 verse 5 And Ezra opened the book In the sight of all the peoples but he was above all the people. And when he opened it, all the people stood up. And Ezra blessed the Lord the great God, and all the people answered, Amen, Amen, with lifting up their hands. And they bowed their heads and worshiped the Lord with their faces to the ground. So, just so people understand what was going on, when you look at our people during this time and they're coming back from the different captivities, Coming back in particular at this time from Babylon. So, a lot of the Israelites that were coming back into the land, this was their first time being back in the city in well over 70 years. But, quick question when Nehemiah, when you look at Nehemiah, when Nebuchadnezzar came and and sacked Jerusalem, who did he take out of the city? Did he take everybody with him in captivity? Who did he take inside? He took those people that were rulers and the nobles the 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 royalty and he took the princes and the nobles. Exactly. He took the princes and the nobles in captivity and left the rest behind. So you had everybody else left to fend for themselves for those seventy years. They didn't have a priest, they didn't have prophets. They didn't have anybody there really guiding them for that whole time. So in that time that they were away, they the land and everybody fell into
0: decay. So now
1: you have Ezra teaching the people who were there and the ones who returned all these commandments. And they're totally ignorant of these same feast days that we're reading about. Let's prove it. Continue. And Ezra blessed the people. Excuse me, verse 7. Also, Jeshua and Benai and Sherebiah and Jamin and cub, Shabbatai, Hodijah, Masejah, Melita, Azariah, Josabad, Hanan, Pelahiah, and the Levites, caused the people to understand the law and the people stood in their place. So they read in the book, in the law, of God distinctly and gave the sense and caused them to understand the reading. So now they have a teaching priest for the first time in a long time explaining to them the law, the same laws which they had been away from for so long, and something happens when the people hear it. Verse 9,
2: And Nehemiah,
1: which is the Tershothoth, the of of he was the governor, and Ezra the priest, the scribe, and the Levites that taught the people said unto all the people, This day is holy unto the Lord your God. Mourn not, nor weep, for all the people wept when they heard the words of the law. And why were they weeping when they heard the words of the law? Because they weren't keeping it. When you read this, when you read the beginning of this chapter, it tells you what day it was. Let's jump back to chapter 8, verse 1, and then we're going to move, jump back forward again. Nehemiah chapter 8, verse 1. And all the people gathered themselves together as one man into the street that was before the water gate, and they spake unto Ezra the scribe to bring the book of the law of Moses, which the Lord hath commanded to Israel. So now then, Ezra bringing the book of the law to the people, and he's going to tell you what day this was. And Ezra the priest brought the law before the congregation, both of men and women, and all that could hear with understanding, upon the first day of the seventh month. First day of the seventh month. What feast day is that? The The memorial of the trumpet. Yes, it is. So we celebrated that just a little over a week ago. The first day of the seventh month, that new moon. So now you'll understand that as he's bringing these laws out and reading this to the people, why are the people weeping? They are weeping because this is the first time some of them are ever hearing this. So back to verse 9 again. And Nehemiah, which is the son, and Ezra the priest, the scribe, and the Levites that taught the people, said unto all the people this day, is holy unto the Lord your God more not nor weep for all the people wept when they heard the words of the Lord And they were weeping when they heard the words of the Lord because now these words are coming out. they were destitute for 70 years they had nobody teaching them these things and now they find out that these are laws, statutes and commandments that they've been abandoned for all these years and even the holy days of the Lord, these holidays, Sabbaths, which they were not keeping, so now they're convicted in their spirit when they hear this. The way our people should be when they hear that they, when they hear these days, the way many of us were when we found out that these days were in the Bible, we were cutting our heart and convicted, and we knew like the like they knew that something was wrong. Some of us cried like they cried, but now the words of the priest were now saying, "Mourn not." Neither weep, because this day is holy. It's not a day of sorrow. It's not a day of despair. It's not a day of mourning. It's a day of mirth and gladness. Continue. Then he said unto them, go your way, eat the fat, and drink the sweet, and send portions unto them for whom nothing is prepared. For this day is holy unto our Lord, neither be ye sorry, for so the joy of the Lord is your strength. So that's what we're we supposed to rejoice in. The joy of the Lord is our strength. And we're supposed to remember that during the days of myrrh and gladness, especially. We're supposed to remember that during our holidays. Because a lot of times what happens is we get caught up in the rat race of this world and we forget that we're even in a holiday. You go to work, you come home, you're tired, your head hurts. You don't want to get up for the Sabbath and all those things. That's because we're so far removed that we take things for granted. We forgot there was a time when we wouldn't, we didn't even know how to keep these days. We didn't even know about these days. The same way the people are reading about right now, but we're not supposed to take it as a light thing. The same way those days were given back to our forefathers then, these days were given back to us
0: because most
1: of us did not spend our life keeping these days. We spent our life keeping everything else. So the Levites stilled all the people, saying, Hold your peace, for the day is holy, neither be ye grieved. And all the people went their way to eat and to drink and to send portions and to make great mirth, because they have understood the words that were declared unto them. So that's what we're supposed to do. We're supposed to be rejoicing in the Lord because we understand these laws that are declared to us. Many people don't. Many people will go to their grave never understanding these words that are declared to us. I mean, it's just a blessing. You remember that, like when it talks about the regular Sabbath, it talks about how man was not made for the Sabbath, the Sabbath was made for
2: man. These are beautiful days. These are great days. These are days that we get together, we have a good time, and we see each other. And we let off steam, and we're able to just
1: celebrate and have that joy amongst one another and that strength in the Lord. But a lot of people don't see the blessing in this because they look back and they say, well, you know what? What is this? Where is this from? But they have to understand that this is something for us. These are days that we're supposed to keep, and we should be happy when we learn of these days and keep them in all joy because the alternative is to keep celebrating Christmas, which is satanic, Easter, which is satanic, Halloween, which is satanic, and every other day that we can lift these days on, all those days of fantastic. But to come back and have a real holy day that's righteous and good, this is a blessing and we're supposed to be thankful and joyful to have these days with us. Okay. And so as we read on, we're going to find out that another holiday was given to them because they learned about the memorial blowing the trumpets, but what was the next day that they kept? Verse 13. And on the second day were gathered together the chief of the fathers of all the people, the priests and the Levites, unto Ezra the scribe, even to understand the words of the Lord. So oh, what were they coming for? They were coming for a lesson. They were coming to be taught. Mm-hmm. And then they were coming to understand. <laughs> they weren't coming. You know what? And, and bring it out. People go to church now to hear what?
2: Songs. To
1: have some fun. To have a good time, they end there dancing. It looked like a hip-hop club in some of these churches. But up. that's not what they were coming for. These people said, the scriptures said they and came. And on the second day were gathered together the chief of the fathers of all the people, the priests and the Levites, unto ever scribe, even to understand the words of the law. They came to understand the words of the law. They came to learn the Bible. Some people will come here and say, man, this is a foreign church. Y'all don't sing? Where's the fire at? Where's the organ? That's not what we're here for. If that's what you're looking for, that's all right, but it's not here. If you come here, you're coming to understand the words of the law and Christ and repentance, and that's what these brothers and sisters were doing back then. They were coming to learn. And they found written in the law, which the Lord had commanded by Moses, that the children of Israel should dwell in booths. In the Feast of the Seventh Month. So still remembering that this is before Christ, they came to learn about the children, how the children of Israel were to dwell in booth on the seventh month, which is also, that's why this feast has three names. One is called Feast of Tabernacles. Speak up. Feast of Tabernacles, Feast of Ingathering, and the Feast of Booths. And when you read it in Leviticus 23, it covered all three of them. So... It has three names, and they came and they learned that. And then it says what? Verse 15, and that they should publish and proclaim in all the cities and in Jerusalem, saying, Go forth unto the mouth, and fetch olive branches, and pine branches, and myrtle branches, and palm branches, and branches of thick trees to make booms, as it is written. So what they did was they actually learned the law, and they kept the law. They rejoiced in it. This is what the Lord's people are going to do They're not going to say, man, where did did that come from? You're going to open up the Bible, read, see where it came from, and then you're going to start to keep
2: what is written in the law. Go ahead.
1: So the people went forth and brought them and made themselves booths, everyone upon the roof of his house and in the courts, and in the courts of the house of God and in the streets of the water gate and in the streets of the gate of Ephraim and all the congregation of them that were that time, you see, they came together every day like Akarai was explaining, and then on that very last day, they kept that Sabbath like they were supposed to. But even if we're not coming together every day, they're still supposed to be in the Word every day. Right? I mean, that goes without saying, but it still shows you right there that when they came together, they were bringing that Word out every single day during that week. So, let's make a trip to the book of Deuteronomy, Chapter 8.
0: Okay, um, In that verse of Nehemiah chapter 8 and verse 17, it says, And all the congregation of them that were come again out of the captivity made boots and sat under the boots. For since the day of Jeshua, the son of of Nun, until that day had not the children of Israel done so. And there was great gladness. So the Jeshua, that son of Nun, is Joshua. Joshua Joshua that was um, serving the Moses Joshua when it was uh, in the wilderness and everything. Um, And the point like you said earlier, Joshua came and left. Just to let you know that when it says this is time of Joshua, you gotta understand that after Joshua, and then it was the Judges, and then it was the period of the King. That period of the Judges was 400 years
1: way which the Lord thy God led thee these 40 years in the wilderness to humble thee and to prove thee to know what was in thine heart whether thou wouldest keep his commandments or no. So like Anthony brought out earlier, you look at everybody in the wilderness. We came out of Egypt with a number that was all over 600 million just talking about the men, not even talking about the women, children, the mixed multitudes. 600,000. Oh, so I'm sorry. Six hundred million? He said million. Yeah. Oh, sorry. I said, did I say million? Oh, I'm sorry. I'm wrong. <laughs> six hundred thousand. Thank you. So when you look at yeah, the number six hundred million, my God, we, <laughs> we might, might well, well take over, might well yeah. take over the wall right there. You look at that number that we had, but still, when you think about that large number, and remember the fact that two people made it in, that's very, very humbling. That's very humbling. And it lets you know what the Lord meant when he said, I did it to prove you, to humble you, and to know if you were going to keep my commandments or not. Continue. And he humbled thee and suffered thee to hunger, and fed thee with manna which thou knewest not. Neither did thy fathers know that he might make thee know that man doth not live by bread alone, but by every word that proceedeth out of the mouth of the Lord doth man live. So there was a lesson in that. We were allowed to hunger, but still, what happened? The Lord still provided us with food in the form of money, and we had absolutely nothing. Continue. Thy raiment wax not old upon thee, neither did thy foot swell thee forty years. Thou shalt also consider in thine heart that as a man chasteneth his son, so the Lord thy God chasteneth thee. So, all those things were right there. So, when we look at even the Feast of Tabernacles and we say, Well, it's not about just hey, well we go out in the wilderness, hey we built booths back in the days. What is it really do what is it really about? It's about the lessons that the Lord brought us through on those days. It's about the fact that he made us suffer hunger, suffer thirst, suffer want and need. But what was the purpose? That we had to learn to trust him. We had to learn to put our faith in him. We had to rely on him for our food. We had to rely on him for our drink. We had to rely on him for our rain. Some of us work some of us work a hard day, come home, we can't even stand. Because your foot swelled up, you're tired, all of those things. They walked forty years and their feet never swelled. They never had to change clothes. So everything was preserved by the Lord. Read. Really? Verse 6, therefore, thou shalt keep the commandments of the Lord thy God to walk in his ways and to fear And that's what it was supposed to be. We were supposed to learn the fear of the Lord during that time. And for those of you who are not familiar with the book of Numbers, take some time and read that. Because so we can't even go through all the things that happened during that time in the book of Numbers. Read it from beginning to end if you have never done that. Read about the different plagues that came on our people for our rebelliousness. Read about the times when our people rebelled against Moses over and over and over again. The times when we doubted the food coming and went out to gather manna on the Sabbath day. All of those things are written in the book of Numbers, and it's written for our learning and our admonition. So go to Exodus chapter 13, verse 21. Because when we were going through the wilderness, and through from leaving from Egypt before we entered into the land that would become known as Israel, we traveled, and it's going to talk about how we traveled. And this is Exodus 13 and 21, and that's followed by number 9. Yeah. yeah, the book of Exodus, chapter 13, verse 21. And the Lord went before them by day in a pillar of a cloud to lead them, to lead them the way, and by night in a pillar of fire. To give them light, to go by day and night. He took not away the pillar of the cloud by day, nor the pillar of fire by night from the people, from before the people. So when you look at that, this is how we were guided from Egypt into our land. There was a pillar of fire, a pillar of a cloud to lead us in the way by day, and there was a pillar of fire that led us by night. And the scriptures go more into detail about how that worked, because it was for 40 years, so how did that work? Let's go
2: to Numbers chapter 9, let's start with 15. So when the Brother Carl was going into the whole thing about it being temporary housing, why was it temporary?
1: Why do we have these these basically tabernacles of little booths that you set up? Like, if you look at how they used to build, like, log cabins, and they'd have sticks, and build them up one level all the way up. That's what these tabernacles were like. And so, why did we have these houses that we had to be able to break down and travel with? There's a reason, and it's in that, um, Numbers chapter nine verse fifteen. The book of Numbers chapter nine verse fifteen. And on the day that the tabernacle was reared up, I'm sorry, I'm sorry. And on that day that the tabernacle was reared up, the cloud covered the tabernacle, namely the tent of the testimony, and at even there was upon the tabernacle, as it were, the appearance of fire until the morning. So this was the pillar of uh, the cloud and the pillar of fire
2: that was leading us.
1: Go ahead. So it was always the cloud covered it by day and the appearance of fire by night. Mm-hmm. And when the cloud was taken up from the tabernacle, then then after that the children of Israel journeyed. And in the place where the cloud abode. There, the children of Israel pitched their tent. So at any time, we had to be ready to go. So when you see the the cloud was moving, no matter what we were doing, you had to pick up, grab your stuff, and go, or you were going to be what? Left behind. Go ahead. At the commandment of the Lord, the children of Israel journey, and at the commandment of the Lord, they pitched. As long as the cloud abode upon the tabernacle, they rested in their tent.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: And when the cloud tarried long upon the tabernacle, Many days, then the children of Israel kept the charge of the Lord and journeyed not. And so it was. When the cloud was a few days upon the tabernacle, according to the commandments of the Lord, they abode in their tents. And according to the commandments of the Lord, they journeyed. So this is what our forefathers knew this day to be about, because it talked about how the Most High made us to dwell in booths. So this is what would happen. We would get up. We would Cloud started moving. We packed up all our belongings, packed up our booth, and we followed that cloud. And that's symbolic of jumping ahead a little bit. What is that symbolic of? What is it symbolic of? Following Christ. Following Christ. But well, we're gonna we'll get to it and we'll go a little bit further. Go ahead. Verse 21. And so it was when the cloud abode from even unto morning, and that the cloud was taken up in the morning. I'm Commandment of the Lord. They journeyed. They kept the charge of the Lord at the commandment of the Lord by the hand of Moses. Hmm. So was it? It was something else you were going to go into about the tabernacle.
0: After that, we get a celestial body All of the celestial body Whether it be uh, the lake of fire In the kingdom So that's, that's kind of where I go sometimes but I just want to put it out there To
2: a thought to it yeah. The Body of Christ Church Radio Network Broadcasts seven days a week On blogtalkradio.com Forward slash the B-O-C-C Listen to our archived broadcast Or check us out while we are live on the air Come and visit us in the virtual living room at 2 o'clock p.m. on Sundays, where we examine current topics according to the scriptures. Are you looking for the truth? Can you handle the truth? Find out on Mondays at 8 o'clock p.m. It doesn't matter what church you attend or philosophy you believe. Take the challenge to see, are you smarter than your pastor, on Tuesdays at 8 o'clock p.m. The world is engrossed in darkness, but it shall be destroyed by the light. Tune in to From Darkness to Light at 7 o'clock p.m. on Wednesdays, where all manner of witchcraft, occult practices, and Satanism is exposed for what it is. Before the light comes, it's time to awake on Thursdays at 8 o'clock p.m. If you're seeking salvation, listen to Repentance is the Key, Fridays at 8 o'clock p.m. And after you have listened to all of these shows, find out how we will become kings and priests. Saturday mornings at 9 o'clock a.m. All shows are in Eastern Standard Time. Remember to check out The Body of Christ Church seven days a week on blogtalkradio.com forward slash the B-O-C-C. That's blogtalkradio.com forward slash T-H-E-B-O-C-C. Shalom.
1: by night, it wasn't just a phenomenon that was going in. It wasn't just a phenomenon of the weather or anything like that that was making that thing follow us everywhere we went. It was far more to it than that. So when we go to the book of Exodus, the 23rd chapter, we get an understanding of what that pillar of fire was by night and that pillar of cloud by day. So in the book of Exodus, chapter 23, and we're going to start at verse 20. Because we're reading about how we followed this pillar everywhere it went, day in, day out, over the course of these years. But now we're going to find out what it was. Mm. Exodus Exodus chapter 23, and start at verse 20. Behold, I send an angel before thee to keep thee in the way and to bring thee into the place which I have prepared.
0: So now we're talking about going into the
1: wilderness. Going into the wilderness on our journey to the land of promise, and the message is this: I send this angel before you to lead you on that way. Read, really? beware of him, and obey his voice. Provoke him not, for he will not pardon your transgression. For my name is in him. For my name is in him. So that's letting you know right there. He's telling you that angel is going to be there guiding. You and that color of cloud by day, the colour of fire by night. Beware of him, don't disobey him, because my name is in him, and he's going to be the one that you have to obey. Also, even when you read about the crossing of the Red Sea, it tells you something else about that angel too. So let's stay in the book of Exodus. And I'm going to read one more verse there. Sure. But if thou shalt indeed obey his voice, And this is Exodus 23 and verse 22. But if thou shalt indeed obey his voice and do all that I speak, then I will be an enemy unto thine enemies and an adversary unto thine adversaries. So even when you read in Deuteronomy 18 and 18 and it talks about that prophet that's going to come, that's going to tell you, and you have to listen to the words that
2: he said, it's basically saying the same thing again here, that if you obey the voice of the Lord, and do all that he says, then he was going to be an enemy to our enemies and a what? And an adversary to our adversaries,
1: meaning the Lord was going to fight for us because we were being obedient to his word. So whatever this angel was saying to us was the word of the Lord, and by obeying that, we were obeying the Lord. So when you jump over, say the book of Exodus and go to chapter 14, and just bringing out something else about how that angel was fighting for us You just brought it out about the fight for us So Exodus chapter 14 And jump down to Verse 13 Exodus 14 verse 13 And this is the parting of the Red Sea And Moses said unto the people Fear ye not Stand still And see the salvation of the Lord Which he shall show you Which he shall show to you today For the Egyptians whom ye have seen Today Ye shall see them again no more forever. I like he said that. No more forever. You to see them no more again forever. The Lord shall fight for you, and ye shall hold your peace. What did you just say there? Mm hmm. And the Lord said unto Moses, Wherefore cries thou unto me? Speak <laughs> unto the children of Israel that they go forward. <laughs> say, Why are you crying <laughs> to me? Tell the children of Israel, keep moving forward. That's, that's, your, that's your job. That. But lift thou up thy rod, and stretch out thy hand over the sea, and divide it. And the children of Israel shall go on dry ground through the midst of the sea. And I, behold, I will harden the heart of the Egyptians, and they shall follow them. And I will get the honor upon Pharaoh and upon all his host, upon his chariots and upon his horsemen. And the Egyptians shall know. That I am the Lord when I have gotten the honor upon Pharaoh, upon his chariot, and upon his horsemen. So now, chariots, the army is coming, chariots, horsemen,
0: and as
1: they are closing them in on the children of Israel, something happens in verse 19. And the angel of God, which went before the camp of Israel, that same pillar, read. removed and went behind them. And the pillar of the cloud went from before their faces and stood behind them. So what was going on? As the armies are closing in on the Israelites, the pillar moved from in front of them to behind them. Read. And it came between the camp of the Egyptians and the camp of Israel, and it was a cloud and darkness to them, but it gave light by night to these so that one came not near the other all the night. So what happened? The darkness was on the face of the Egyptians, so that they couldn't move forward to the camp of Israel, and it was light to us throughout the night. And Moses stretched out his hand over the sea, and the Lord caused the sea to go back by a strong east wind all that night and made the sea dry land, and the waters were divided. And the children of Israel went into the midst of the sea upon the dry ground, and the waters were a wall unto them on their right hand and on their left. So, Kadar brought out the point about how this angel was going to fight for us when we were keeping the commandments. Well, let's find out how it fought for how the Lord fought for us on this day, because He wasn't done yet. Verse, was. verse twenty-three, and the Egyptians pursued and went in after them to the midst of the sea, even all Pharaoh's horses, his chariots, and his horsemen. So even though you watch every single movie, whether it be the Ten Commandments, Prince of Egypt, whatever they show, they never show what happened to those chariots when they went to that sea because that's when the angel of the Lord came and attacked the chariots. And we're about to read it. And it came to pass, that in the morning watch, the Lord looked unto the host of the Egyptians through the pillar of fire. Hold up, read it again. And it came to pass that in the morning watch the Lord looked unto the host of the Egyptians through the pillar of fire. But what's going on? The Lord is through the pillar of fire, and watching the whole battle take place. You understand that? He's in the pillar. Read. And of the clouds, and troubled the host of the Egyptians. And took off their chariot wheels, that they drave them heavily, so that the Egyptians said, "Let us flee from the face of Israel, for the Lord fighteth for them against the Egyptians." So he broke the wheels off the chariot. So you wonder why they couldn't move? They couldn't come after us because the chariots didn't have wheels. So with the wheels broken off, they couldn't attack us, and they couldn't retreat. They couldn't do nothing but wait, wait to die. And that's the type of power that they were going up against. So they finally said, listen, the Lord is fighting against the Egyptians on behalf of them. And the Lord said unto Moses, stretch out thine hand over the sea, that the waters may come again upon the Egyptians, upon their chariots, and upon their horsemen. And Moses stretched forth his hand over the sea, and the sea returned to its strength. When the morning appeared, and the Egyptians fled against it, And the Lord overthrew the Egyptians in the midst of the sea. And the waters returned and covered the chariots and the horsemen and all the host of Pharaoh that came into the sea after them. There remained not so much as one of them, but the children of Israel walked upon dry land in the midst of the sea, and the waters were a wall unto them on their right hand and on their left. Thus the Lord saved Israel that day out of the hand of the Egyptians, and Israel saw the Egyptians dead upon the seashore. And more verse. And Israel saw that great work which the Lord did upon the Egyptians. And the people feared the Lord and believed the Lord and his servant Moses. So all of this still pertains to the Feast of tabernacles as we're going to find out when we go to the book of 1 Corinthians. Bring it up. So what's another one of those And in the end time? You're going to
0: get us to be everywhere and fight for us. Yes, he does. So look, it still fits. of course it
2: does. And I mean that, and that's a good
1: point as well because when we start talking about, you look at the feast of end gathering, which is what the harvest. You look at this time of the year is the time when they're harvesting, but then you also look at the end of the world, he's going to be harvesting his righteous people. The harvest is the end of
0: the world.
1: The angels are the yeah. reapers. So yeah. from everything yeah. go to First Corinthians 10. First Corinthians. And see they're making another Moses Moses movie. Batman is Moses now. No, that's uh they got Spell. He's Moses? Yeah. I thought it was about the kings, the book of Kings. No. Oh first gosh. Alright, First yeah. Corinthians ten. Batman is Moses. First Corinthians chapter ten, first verse one. one. As a matter of fact, I'll let you take it because I first Corinthians chapter ten, verse one. More brethren. I would not that you should be ignorant how that all our fathers were under the cloud and all passed through the sea. So this is Paul speaking, and who is he speaking of? His forefathers that were under the what? The cloud, what we just read in the book of Exodus, how we were leaving out of Egypt and our forefathers were under that cloud and protected, but with the whole thing of us going throughout. out, The whole world and us being scattered, this world is going out everywhere now because of that scattering to gather what? The lost sheep. Verse 2, and were all baptized unto Moses in the clouds and in the sea, and did all eat the same spiritual meat, and did all drink the same spiritual drink. For they drank of that spiritual rock that followed them, and that rock was Christ. So when you go back and you look at the history, he brought out the history to show These were all the things our forefathers went through. Now what? Who was following us that time? Who was it that removed from the front and went to the back to protect us all that time? Who was that angel? Read it again. And they drink the same spiritual drink, for they drank of that spiritual rock that followed them, and that rock was Christ. So that's why at the beginning we opened up to say, and this was a true Christian holiday, a, a true Christian holiday, a true holiday that was about our Lord and Savior Christ, unlike the other ones, because it, with the understanding now in the New Testament, it was Him that was there all along guiding us. Just like symbolically, then, well, then what happened? He was actually leading us from Egypt from bondage into a spiritual land of freedom, and along the way, people were having to die that weren't keeping the commandments. It's right now the same thing that is happening now. We were in bondage, spiritually, to what? Sin. We were doing all kinds of wickedness, fornication, murder, madness, homosexuality, whatever it is, stealing, robbing, lying, cheating. We were doing all those different things, and Christ redeemed us so now that we are following him. And he's leading us to the promised land only if we obey those words like he told, told us back then, only if you follow his word. Only if you obey his word is the same thing that he's telling us now. Verse 5. Go uh-huh. ahead. But with many of them, God was not well pleased, for they were overthrown in the wilderness. So with a lot of them, it said the most high was not pleased because they had to die in the wilderness. How many was a lot? 500, All but two, just, you know, because it was 600,000 that came out. And that was what? That was just a man, So that's really not even accurate. But the whole thing is, really, it was only two that made it
2: in. So when he said
1: with many of them, was he not pleased? It was with many of them. But with many of them, God was not well pleased. Mm -hmm. So they were overthrown in the wilderness. Now, these things were our example to the intent we should not lust after evil things, as they also lust. And that's why, you know, a lot, what we focus on in here, what we focus on is repentance. And we will keep going over and over and over. And people are like, well, why are you always talking about repentance? Because that's what's going to save us. When you look at these brothers here, they saw the miracles. That wasn't enough. They knew that they were Israelites. That wasn't enough. What we really have to understand is how we have to follow and serve the Lord, and not go after our lust, not lust after these gods, these women, these evil things that's out here in this world, this money, all of that. We're not supposed to be focused on that. We're supposed to be focused on the Lord, and when we do, then we're successful. Go ahead. Neither be ye idolaters, hmm. as were some of them, as it is written. The people sat down to eat and drink and rose up to play. So it's warning to us as well. Stay away from idolatry. But what are our people consumed with nowadays? Right. Idols. From the Catholic Church and those idols, Saint Paul, Saint Peter, to witchcraft and voodoo and all the little whatever they call those little statues they worship in that. What do they call here? It depends on what you're talking about. What Santeria, obeah, voodoo? It depends on which one you're talking. But they got idols or their, their religion or their holidays. All that our people are into, and that's just one set. Then when you start talking about this world, their car, their woman, they idolize those things. They idolize singers. Actors. Actresses. That's my idol. I mean that's not I mean it's not even a straight saying for them to say that's my idol. American idol. They have a show. So and those people do become idols as soon as they live or if they're on the show, they run after following them. So it says, Neither be ye idolaters, mm. as with some of them. As it is written, the people sat down to eat and drink and rose up to flesh. So our people were heavily into idolatry to the point that when Moses went up in the mouth to get the commandments, he came back down and they were into idolatry and what? Next verse. Neither let us commit fornication, as some of them committed, and fell in one day. Three and 20,000. So the warning is going out to stay away from lusting after evil things, stay away from idolatry, stay away from fornication. And we are in the land of fornication. But we can't even say we're in the land of fornication. We are in the world of fornication because fornication is spread throughout the world like the children of Israel are spread throughout the world. And the more and more you think you hear wicked stories, I heard two wicked stories this week. Should I tell them? Go. When it talks about fornication, neither let us commit fornication, our people into some madness. One, and
2: I don't even know if this is that, one is, is not even funny, but it's horrible. Couple gets married. Nine months later, she has a baby. And the baby turns out to be a dwarf. So the husband is like, well,
1: this doesn't run in my family. Come to find out on her bachelorette party, she has sex with the midget stripper, with the dwarf stripper, and got pregnant from him. So you talk about fornication, that's
2: fornication. But then the other one I don't even want to tell in front of the children It's so vile. But it's in the news, and this is how vile the world is right now. Anthony, I think you posted it and shared it. Where basically a man murdered his mother, beat her in the head with a hammer, ate her brain, and then when they asked him, asked him what did he do with it with the body, he said, "I lost my virginity to it." This is a land full of
1: vile fornication and sickness. That fornication spirit is not too discriminant
2: nowadays; it, it can cover a wide gambit, and that, that 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 is what he did. So.
1: Neither let us commit fornication, as some of them committed, and fell in one day, three and twenty thousand. So that's how people were dying in the wilderness because of fornication, just like our people are dying in this world now because of fornication. Go ahead. Neither let us tempt Christ, as some of them also tempted, and were destroyed of serpents. Mm. Neither murmur you, as some of them also murmured. And were destroyed of the destroyer. Now, all these things happened unto them, for example, and they are written for our admonition upon whom the ends of the world are come. So, all these things that happened in history, historical things that happened to the children of Israel, weren't just stories that we were supposed to sit back and read and say, ooh, that was a great story. No, it was history to teach us a lesson. All these things happen unto us for example, and they are written for our admonition. This is a warning to us. Avoid fornication. Avoid idolatry. Avoid lusting after evil things. Doesn't that cover mostly everything we need to do to stay safe nowadays? So it was written for our admonition upon whom the ends of the world has
2: come because we are in the end. There's no doubt. When we look at all the wars that's going on, when we look at all the the wild, like the
1: fornications, everything that's going on, um, Ebola Ebola and all these diseases, they got Ebola, but they're not even talking much about the one that supposedly was crossing the borders coming from Mexico that's killing school children. They got one that's killing the school children. that's some respiratory thing that's going on. So if so many different things are going on, we're in the end. That's why we need to be very mindful not to lose our crown over one of these things. And the
0: key point, that you were out the cloud and Christ's name is, mm-hmm. it's a 10 not crisis. Thank you, Jesus. Christ, you are what
1: And you know what? I'm glad you said that because it made me think of something else. Because I'm going to tell you what it made me think of. Just like how he removed to the back and he's a light for us, for the ones that choose not to keep the commandments, it's darkness for them. It's going to be destruction to them. But for us, it's light. He's showing us the way right now. How to avoid all of those things, all we have to do is listen. Go ahead. Verse 12. Therefore, let him that thinketh he standeth, take heed, lest he fall. So for those that think they, they got it, for those who say, I don't need the Lord, for those who say, I am whole, the ones that don't need the position, take heed lest ye he fall. And that goes for all of us in here, too. Just because Christ is showing us the way don't mean we got it all. Just because he's showing us the better way doesn't, and we repent and we starting to do what's right, don't walk around here thinking that you're the arm the or you got it all together because if you think that you're that strong and you don't need anybody and you can move your way, it that take heed lest you fall. That's that humility that we have to have, the ability to listen to one another, the ability to listen to the scriptures,
2: the ability to take correction. When someone is telling you that you're wrong,
1: you're supposed to be
2: able to say, you know what, let me examine myself and correct it. But if you like, like, huh,
1: I ain't got to listen to that brother. Who, that's a brother like me. Take heed because you're setting yourself up for so fall, and that's everyone in here, including us. If I walk around saying, you know what, I got this, what, brother? You wanted me about the scriptures? Let me warn you. How long have you been in this? Take heed lest ye fall. And we've seen a great many men fall because of that pride. 13. There has no temptation taken you, but such as is common to man. Mm. But God is faithful, who will not suffer you to be tempted above that you are able, but will with the temptation also make a way to escape that you may be able to bear it. Go ahead. Wherefore, my dearly beloved, leave from my idolatry. So that's the warning. So when he goes in verse 13 and he tells us that there's no temptation taken us but such as is common to man, he's letting you know that we all go through diverse temptations, diverse lust. But what he's also showing us is that when you're tempted, when that comes upon you, the Lord also gives you a way to escape so that you may be able to enter into the kingdom and not sin. So one of the things he
2: tells us very wisely to do is when you see idolatry, flee from it. Don't play with it. Don't mess with it. When you see it, get away from it as far as you can
1: because idolatry has brought down many. But So when you look again, a lot of times if we read those scriptures and 1 Corinthians 10, 11, and um, 12 and 13, we pretty much read those as standalone scriptures where we just go right to the point. Well, you don't think you stand, take evil, you fall, no temptation such as common to man. But when you read those two verses, 12 and 13, in the context of everything that we already read in chapter 10, it's letting you know who, what the usual players are. What are those temptations that are common to men? Idolatry, mm. fornication, <laughs> Rebelliousness Murmuring Evil surmising Evil suspicions I mean it's all right there It's never changed All the works of the flesh That you read about in Galatians 5 So you have the fruits of the spirit And you have the works of the flesh And those things are right there So when you read it in the context 12 and 13 in the context of everything we we just now said What it's letting us know is that If you think that you're above idolatry. If you think that you're above the sin of fornication, if you think you're above rebelliousness and lasciviousness, you think you've got all of those things conquered, keep in mind what it did then and what it's doing now. Because those sins have nearly decimated and destroyed the nation. And if you think that you are something special, just look what it did to those <laughs> 600,000 people. Moses, Moses me and Moses who spoke unadvisedly with his lips when he got angry. So now, the book of Ezekiel, chapter 20. Ezekiel chapter 20, and we're going to start at verse 33. And I'll read it. Ezekiel 20, 33. As I live, saith the Lord God, surely with a mighty hand, and with a stretched out arm, and with fury poured out, will I rule over you, and I will bring you out from the people and will gather you out of the countries wherein you are scattered, with a mighty hand and with a stretched out arm and with fury poured out. So this, this is a prophecy of the Lord coming back, and this is showing we're still dealing with the FIFA tabernacles because what is it going into? It's going into the whole thing that we're supposed to be doing. And it's letting us know in these last days how because we've been breaking the commandments, because we've been sinning, how the Lord is going to rule over us with that that arm of fury. So you see the death and the dying that's happening in our community is because of our rejection of the commandments. It's because we're lusting after evil things. It's because we're committing fornication. It's because we're murmuring, it's because we're idolaters. All these things are happening to us not because any power that any man has on the face of this earth, it's because what we have done against the most high. So his hand is upon us strong because we're doing against his word. So then he says Verse thirty four, and it's less you know it's talking about the end. And I will bring you out from and I will bring you out from people, mm. and will gather you out of Countries wherein ye are scattered with a mighty hand and with a stretched out arm and with fury poured out. So he's going to be gathering the ones that are obedient, the ones that are keeping his commandments, the ones that are listening out of all these countries for that salvation. Go ahead. And I will bring you into the wilderness of the people. Mm -hmm. And there will I plead with you face to face, like as I pleaded with your fathers in the wilderness of the land of Egypt. So will I plead with you, saith the Lord. So it's not going to be a matter of just, he's not asking us anything. He's saying, here are the commandments that you have to do. Now you're either going to do them or I'm going to destroy you. So he's not like, you know, usually you get that word pleading. It, it, it sounds like, you know, it's usually used in the context of like, I'm, I'm begging right. you. I'm begging. He's not doing that. He's saying, listen, here's my word. You're going to do what I say or you're going to be destroyed. Verse 37, and I will cause you to pass under the rock and will bring you into the bond of the covenant. And I will purge out from among you the rebels and them that transgress against me. I will bring them forth out of the country wherein they sojourn, and they shall not enter into the land of Israel. And you shall know that I am the Lord. So in these last days, the Lord has shown us he's not going to play with us. We, we're going to pass under the rod, we're going to pass under his judgment, and either we're going to keep the covenant or the ones that want to rebel, the ones that want to fight, the ones that want to come against the Lord, they're not going to enter into the kingdom of heaven. And that's anyone. I say they, but it's us if we don't choose to do what's right. And we've seen what, you know, we we witnessed it. We've seen when people decide, you know what, I'm not dealing with that, and they decide to walk away and go into that. That's on them. It's up, you know, it's on them. The most I deal with you from that point forward. So, was that it? We're we gonna wrap it up with
2: Revelation. We can wrap it up. Re- Revelation, last scripture, and I think we're gonna start at verse one. one, chapter fourteen. Sorry.
1: The book of Revelation, chapter fourteen. Starting at verse 1. And I looked, and lo, a lamb stood on the Mount Sinai, and with him an hundred forty and four thousand, having his father's name written in their forehead. So well, here's the elect. And I heard a voice from heaven, as the voice of many waters, and the voice of a great thunder. And I heard the voice of harpers harping with their harps. Mm. And they sung, as it were, a new song before the throne and before the four beasts and the elders. And no man could learn that song but the 140 and 4,000 which were redeemed from the earth. So here's the elect being redeemed, and we're in the last days, we're in past the last days. The destruction is done, and those that were gathered to the Lord, here they go. And we're going to find out who they are. These are things which were not defiled with women, for they are virgins. Hmm. These are they which follow the Lamb whithersoever he goeth. So I'm going to go back. These are they which would not defile with women. So this is speaking of women, first of all, women. They weren't into that what, fornication. They weren't lusting after those evil things. They stayed away from
2: that. For they are virgins, meaning they are pure. It didn't mean that they were virgins as in like a eunuch. But it meant that they were virtues as
1: in
0: they didn't—they
1: weren't corrupted in that sexual world, and so forth. I sent you forth Chair. There you go. So these are they which follow the Lamb whithersoever He goeth, and this is the point of what this is like. The, this is like the exclamation point on the end of the, the Feast of Tabernacles, because these are the ones that wherever the Lord was leading them in life. When he said pick up and go, they pick up and went. So the scripture that um the brother of over that was Second Corinthians chapter eleven. Second Corinthians chapter eleven, and I'll read it. Um, verse two: For I am jealous over you with godly jealousy, for I have espoused you to one husband, that I may present you as a chaste virgin to Christ. So that's the version that that is speaking about in Revelation 14 when you get to verse four. These are they which were not defiled with women, for they are virgins. These are they which follow the Lamb whithersoever he calleth. So just like we followed him in the wilderness from Egypt out of that bondage into the promised land, it's the same way we're supposed to be following him now from the bondage of sin that we were in into the promised land, the kingdom of heaven, if we continue in his word to the end. Wherever he taketh us, we gotta go. So we know, like, a lot of us that have been here together
2: in this journey, because a lot of us have been together for a lot of years, we went from where we didn't understand and all we were doing was we were out there cursing people out and doing things of that nature all the way up to, you know what, we have to understand it's
1: about repentance. And whenever the Lord showed us, listen, it's time for us to grow, we made a choice and we say, you know what, either we're going to grow or get left behind, and a lot of us decided, listen, it's time to grow. We follow the lamb whithersoever he goes, and guess what? When he leads us, leads us to the next place, we have to follow there, too, because if you think you stand, take heed lest you fall. We're going to continue growing in this walk if we're going to make it to the end. Go ahead. These are they which were not defiled with women, mm-hmm. for they are virgins. These are they which follow the lamb whithersoever he goes. These were redeemed from among men, being the first fruits unto God and to the lamb. Right. Go ahead And in their mouth was found no God For they are without fault before the throne of God So that's what we are trying to be And that's what this piece is about Us working to be have mouth not filled with God And to when it's time for the redemption in the end That we be found with no fault
2: before the Lord And that's the piece of Tabernacles.
1: If you've enjoyed today's program Join us next week for another installment of Repentance is the Key, airing every Friday night at 7 p.m. Eastern Standard Time. You can also visit us on our website, www.thebocc.com, and our YouTube page, www.youtube.com forward slash thebocc1. Once again, that address is www.thebocc.com and www. YouTube.com forward slash the BOCC1. Acts chapter 17, verse 30. In the times of this ignorance, God winked at, but now commandeth all men everywhere
2: to repent. 18- plus.